Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a brand new series, Series 3 of the Dabblers Book Club. I am Hadjah. I'm Curtis. And this is the podcast for people who have never read Chaucer and probably never will. We've been trying out a few taglines, haven't we? Yep, new one is two twats talk about books. And I sent that to my mum who said, you're not a twat. (laughs) Yeah, my mum didn't like the tagline either. It's not a very mum friendly tagline. Mm. I wonder if we should put an asterisk, asterisk, asterisk in there. Um, but yeah, also non-stuffy book chat, sweary podcast. Dear listeners, if you have an idea on taglines, do let us know. Do you have uh, a preference out of any of those or do you not really care? Whenever I tell anyone about it, I just say, oh, it's chatting about books, but down the pub. Mm. And they look at me like, uh, and I'm like, well, you know how you talk about shit down the pub? And, and They're like, no, we go to bars in Soho. I think that's the fucking problem. Um, you, can, you can chat about shit in bars in Soho as well. It's not quite the same style as in a pub, is it? It's just not rough. There's not a dog on a string. There's not Nigel Farage posing with a pint. Um, <laughs> so, kicking off series three, should we just get straight into it? Yes. Yes, we've got Shuggy Bane by Douglas Stewart. This is the Booker Prize winner. What tunes have I had stuck in my head since we started reading this? Uh, like Purple Rain. Shuggy Bane, Shuggy Bane. And? And? and. Shuggy Bane is in my ears and in my <laughs> eyes. In Shuggy Bane there is a barber selling... Nope. It's good, it's good. Never, yeah, thanks. Um, so hopefully you've got those tunes in your head as well. Uh, if you've got any other Shuggy Bane... Oh, I've got yeah, one. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Phoebe's song in Friends? Shuggy Bane, in Shuggy, Shuggy Bane. Bane. Why are they... Yeah, that's quite a good one as well because it's like, it isn't your fault, Shuggy Bane. And what are they feeding you? Fuck all. Right, so Shuggy Bane, let's try a synopsis, as you always make me do one, and I I don't do synopses very well. I forget what they're about. No, this is to ground the listener who has not yet read the book. Shuggy Bane is about a young boy from Glasgow. Um, He is from very rough working class roots. He has an alcoholic mother, and he has a father who is a bit of a shit. Mm -hmm. Um... And he has a brother and a sister. And I suppose a key theme early on is he realises he's not quite the same as the other boys and mm. doesn't really fit in. Um, you follow the story of his childhood. So growing up, uh, they move out of the city of Glasgow. And at the same time as them moving, the father leaves. They move a couple of times within Glasgow, don't they? 
uh, one time where uh, Agnes, the mother, is sort of dumped in a place, basically, in sort of pit head. And then afterwards, towards the end, where they move back in a back into the inner city, Glasgow, for a fresh start. And you sort of follow the kind of the highs and lows of this relationship. Um, the mother's alcoholism, uh, Shuggy sort of finding his feet a little bit with friends, and um, but it's all about that central relationship, isn't it? It's not a it's not a plot driven thing. We, we could give a synopsis, but it's it's not about the plot, is yeah. it? It's his childhood with. Uh, an alcoholic mother, yeah. a mother with some serious problems. Um, so a couple of spoilers along the way that we'll get into is uh, the sister gets fed up of the mother, moves to South Africa. Mm-hmm. The brother also struggles with the mother and eventually leaves. And um, in the end, the mother dies. Yeah. The mother kicks the brother out, doesn't she? Yeah. And and eventually, Shuggy is also kicked out. Um, and, oh, okay. What did you think? Uh, cheery. 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 Um, By the way, we've got some cracking one-star reviews on the way. I had a look last night and very, very excited to share them and dissect them. Um, yeah, what did you think? I thought it was a phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Oh, so dark. Mm-hmm. So dark and upsetting. Really rattled me, actually. Yeah. You know, I've been having bad dreams like the last couple of weeks. It's probably Shuggy Bates. I think. It, I think. I think <laughs> this has um, set him off. Really, yeah. I've been having dreams about like you know saying goodbye to family members forever oh. and things. And and part of it's the weather and the fucking lockdown and the nether-ending, you know, miserable situation. And it sounds like I'm criticizing this book, which I'm not. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's really, um, yeah, really left a mark on me. Having said that, I thought it was awesome. It was incredible. Really glad I read this. What did you think? Um, yeah, same. Really, really affected me. I didn't have quite as weird dreams as you do, but I'm not as naturally a dark person <laughs> as you are. Um, really, I was so sucked in by it and I was fascinated by it as well. It made me feel, which is what I want from a book. I want to just feel like I'm in this relationship and in this story and and grappling with morality and ethics and all these things that are so familiar to people. Uh, whatever yeah. your situation, whatever your relationship with your mother or father, there's always, I think extremes are brilliant because they help us sort of tease out the threads within our own relationships that if they were to be taken to an extreme could end up with these weird mm. dynamics. You know, it's like alcoholism is such a an extreme dynamic to grapple with within a relationship. But actually the things that can fuel that and the things that can lead to that are pretty universal. And you don't need to have an extremely difficult alcoholic mother to understand um, the the to and fro of mother-child relationships and the appeasing and the love and the cosseting and mm. the all the stuff that's involved in them because you know ultimately we're, we're all human and being a mother or being a parent uh does essentially mean you are dragging another human being through your own emotional processes mm. and um something like this is a just a phenomenal way of connecting with all these readers about just uh the minutiae of it and uh it, i thought it was brilliant it really really affected me yeah. um yeah. Sorry, that was... <laughs> I, can, no, I completely agree. And, like, where to start? Because it's actually not 
a plot as such is just following a dynamic. But rooting for something. Did yeah. you find yourself rooting for that? Like, you think well, maybe so, this is the I think start. my point was there were just so many scenes. Yeah. And so many awesome scenes at that. But, you know, um, one day Shuggy was in the garden playing dolls and then, and then there's, that's the whole scene. One day the, this man turned up in his taxi to do this. Mm. If you broke up this novel into scenes, there was just thousands of them. Yeah. And that's not a criticism because they were all so well written. I thought, actually, yeah, that's the one thing. The quality of writing was really good. Mm. Had such a clear picture of Pithead. Yeah. I can really see what that looks like. I saw my old camera council house you've seen my sort of shithole council oh, house yeah, that i lived yeah, yeah. in and that's i couldn't get it out of my mind even though i knew it wasn't because they had flats and someone lived upstairs yeah, yeah. but they had a front door which was the big deal um i definitely get that with books in general yeah you're sort of superimposing your own you, you put a place in yeah. your head yeah well because i had like i remember my um first time basically in peterborough after coming back from iran was um, council house but three bedroom council house had a front garden had a back garden and it's interesting you can imagine those conversations going on that went on in Shuggy Bain which is oh you've got this and you've got that and it's mm. all these little things that are very important and s- symbols within your own circles of um, not success but comfort yeah. and um, and it was very much one of those council estates where um, you know you'd have the, I always remember just women in t-shirts and leggings wandering mm. around barefoot from door to door grabbing their kids from where whoever's neighbor's house yeah, they were at community. and yeah, yeah well community but it was, yeah it was everyone was in each other's not business but social lives i remember you'd you'd just play with what other kids were on the estate mm. and that's a memory i really forgot i i have some very vague memories of it but i remember one night i must be about seven six or seven maybe younger and I remember being worried that I was out too late. And I can't remember which of my siblings I was with, um, but I was just hanging around with some of the other kids. Uh, and it was just chucking it down with the rain, absolutely pissing it down. And I remember being wet through. And I cannot remember the before or after. I just have this memory of being so thrilled in mm. this place. And you're talking deprived not deprived kids it's not like the depths of despair and poverty but pretty fucking (laughs) you know not it's basic it's pretty basic and you know the mixture of the sort of benefits slash uh what politicians would call the deserving working class you know the Mm. honorable working class the people trying to make make better of themselves or whatever but yeah i just remember being so happy with Mm. this childhood this, this moment in my childhood so did you get a yearning for the council estate in pithead in this book <laughs> no i just literally superimposed my house onto it and i oh, couldn't okay. get out of it i couldn't not see yeah, yeah. where i lived um see and, i yeah. saw something very similar to because obviously we drove around that council estate that you grew up on so i could <laughs> you see. couldn't believe it could you i don't think you realized <laughs> it was pretty shit yeah. i don't think i realized um, growing up which is what's lovely about childhood right yeah well i sort of saw something in terms of the size of the houses similar to that but and I can't remember if I've got this from my own brain or from the description that Douglas Stewart gives in the book, but I saw a cul-de-sac and it was already flat, but then you could see for miles. For some reason, I pictured it up on a hill outside mm-hmm. of the city, like the, this forgotten thing where the miners worked. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I won't do it justice, but I, I had a very, very clear picture of this estate they yeah. lived on. Um, You're good yeah. at that. I'm not really... I, ha- I think I actually have to superimpose things on, on it. And actually, if anyone, if you listen to our Hashi Muhammad episode, our latest guest special, he talks about not needing to fill in every detail. Mm. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, sort of physical descriptions of things, but 
letting the reader fill in the blanks. And also for me, I don't necessarily need to place myself in a room unless unless there's something really important in the action about that room. Pithead was it was it was just really vivid um, in my imagination. What did you think of Agnes, Shuggy's mother? Oh. I mean... Because I realised... Sorry, I'm going to answer yeah, my own yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I re- tell you why I ask. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really sorry for her. Yeah. There was points in the book where I thought a lot of readers will think she's the villain because she says some really fucking horrible stuff to her kids mm. and she's obviously so selfish or, you know, her disease, her alcoholism makes her selfish. But I just felt... I felt so bad for her. Mm. She's just so lost and so trapped in her own cycles. Yeah, I am. Um, I just feel like she's a really sad, sad character. Oh, so sad. And just, oh, that awful scene at the beginning where her dad takes the belt to her. Oh, just, God. Like, God. Absolutely yeah. horrible. Um, and that's because she set the curtains on fire in a drunken stupor. Is she that tried, how you I read think she it? tried to kill herself. I think she sort of yeah. was holding her baby and was just going to kill them both sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, that's, that's pretty much what I got to. But. Yeah, the alcoholism is interesting because he never... Not that he needs to give a reason because, you know, so many reasons and also it can be very genetic according to a lot of people. You just have Mm. a predisposition to addiction and obviously she has a lot of difficulties um, to grapple with. Um, And I think there was one part actually to do with alcoholism, which I didn't quite buy and it didn't detract from the story at all. I think this is the thing. This is like um, anything I pull apart from here what this book did for me was made me feel something so strong and it, it ticks every box of what I want, what I want from a book that the mm-hmm. things I will talk about are not things I necessarily care about in a book. The one thing I will say is about when, uh, Shuggy Bain senior, Suge Bain, he mentions her alcoholism earlier on. Yeah. And you get the sense that for me, it didn't feel that genuine. It felt like a kind of, the way he said it was almost in earnest, almost as if he wished she wasn't. But it it was almost like serving the, the point that, oh, well, he's got his sadnesses too about the relationship. But actually, I didn't buy into his character that he would have cared about her being an alcoholic. Like mm. he would have used it in a more abusive way. And actually, the way I read it was actually more of a caring way. And I couldn't imagine him having that level of emotional honesty and depth to go you know what, your alcoholism just really affects me. It, And that didn't quite fit for me with his character. Do you, do you remember that bit? It was early on, so it's, it wasn't really I do, important. and I think I was still working Suge out at that point. Yeah. Um, I was working out who was going to be the, the, the baddie, you know, yeah. who was going to be the bad cop parent. Was it mm-hmm. Agnes or was it Suge? And I think the point where I was trying to work out and one point that really rattled me mm-hmm. in a similar part of the book was when they went to Blackpool, the two of them. Yeah. Oh, God. It oh, suggests, awful. Yeah, it suggests before they went to kids. I think it reminded me of, not with you, but with partners <laughs> years before, um, arguing on <laughs> what holiday. What have I done? You know when you argue on holiday and it's like, oh. Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't seem like an argument on a holiday. It just seemed utterly horrendous. Like... So, so let's wind it back. It's got the vibe of... Um, this couple that's sort of scraped everything together to go and have their time in Blackpool. And, you know, they're walking along the beach at night and the wind in her hair and they're really making the best of it. And they go into a bar. I think he's drinking milk, which suggests to me that the whole time she was getting sloshed. It gets to the point where she's a bit drunk and rowdy when they get back to the hotel going up the stairs mm-hmm. and he's getting embarrassed by it and infuriated by it. Uh, see, I didn't pick up on... And he switches. Yeah. And he grabs her by the hair and rips her, tears her into the room. And then he sort of goes cold and goes... 
don't act like I hurt you. You were making a scene, and then he, I think he forces himself on her, doesn't he? Mm, it's just yeah. a bit of a. Oh, I think. Scene. Um, I think I was still finding my bearings with the book in the first fifty pages, so I got the the heinousness of that scene, but I didn't get his switch. So maybe actually a little bit of a closer reading, I would have felt the tension a bit more. And trust me, I felt the tension of men doing that switch. Mm. Like it is fucking horrible. And that um, sort of white hot anger Mm. that comes from someone almost congratulating themselves for holding it together. But actually what they're doing is winding themselves up more internally. Yeah. And then suddenly it's. uh... Is this that time we moved that chest of drawers? Because I've said I'm sorry (laughs) about that. It wasn't wasn't my best self that day. (laughs) It's not the time with a chest of drawers. For the the listener, I did not drag Hadja by the hair up the stairs. I just raised my voice more than I'd care to ever raise my voice to someone in my life. It was not good. But he didn't do it again. Um, Sure, I did learn a lesson. No, no, obviously with, you know, difficult men in my past relationships who have, uh, yeah, just switched. And you can see Mm. this white hot anger in them. Yeah. And they... Yeah, and if it there's no, there's not always violence. Uh, there wasn't in my ex relationships. Probably need to make that clear. Um, but there's definitely a switch where they are holding it together. Yeah, and it's fucking horrible. And yeah, so your actual interpretation of that scene that makes more sense now. Um, I think I probably just didn't read those first few bits closely enough because I think I was so off put by him mm. mentioning her drinking that yeah. I thought it didn't seem quite. In keeping because we already knew he was a bastard who was cheating on her and stuff. And just, yeah, oh, oh, awful. I think I think yeah, we had him flagged as the mm. um, as the difficult one. Whereas actually, it's quite a not subtle, but it's it's a it's a reasonably complicated book where there is subtlety and nuance to the characters. Yeah, and... I don't think I ever empathise for him though. I just don't. Uh, I, I agree. Can't. Although I kind of, I kind of did when he turns up later in life, um, the first time. Shuggy, little Shuggy, mm. meets Big Sugar again somewhere halfway through, and Shuggy kind of, you know, hasn't got that much time for his dad. And mm. oh, you're not going to give your dad a wee hug. I need to not do any Scottish accents in no. this book. <laughs> in this, um, I was going to try, but, but yeah. I read the whole thing with a Scottish accent. Yeah, in so my head. Like, I've been speaking um, a Scottish accent all week. I agree, though, largely that yeah, you don't get a lot of empathy for no. for Shug, if any. No. Um, and he's a taxi driver, isn't he? And he sort of dicks around on the mum and. He's oh, it's just, awful. And again, to take it back to past relationships, that bit, like I was in a relationship. Um, I mean, people who know me know I've been in about three, so it's very, very clear. But early in my relationship life and my boyfriend was cheating on me, like very mm. clearly cheating on me. Um, but I just sort of was convincing myself, no, no, you just need to trust him. And I remember seeing the girl um, that, like who was hanging out with him mm. leaving his building block at oh. three in the morning and walking i had i couldn't sleep because he wasn't coming around and we were literally talking about like uni hall so he was over the road i couldn't sleep and i i heard this clip clop clip clop in the courtyard and i just knew it would be her and oh, i looked no. out the window and i just saw her walking back to her flat and it was three in the morning and it's like ugh. and i knew but you just and so yeah, I really got that sense of knowing that someone is with someone else, but... Just living through it. and Living through it. But oh I mean, God. obviously for me, it was just denying it to myself to make it okay. Yeah. Um, but for her, obviously, it's you're married, you've got kids, you just have to somehow yeah, make peace with it. And it's unbelievable. And I wonder if like Agnes in that scenario had her own guilt because of her drinking. Do you yeah. know what I mean? She thought, yeah, well, possibly, this is yeah. him, you know... 
paying himself off for the fact he's got me who's a dreamer. I think it's all the games of a relationship, isn't it? Like she clearly wanted someone who treated her like shit. I think yeah. that was her whole thing. Um, you chase the person that manipulates you. you. If you're insecure, if you have all, any sort of issues. And also, I think we need to touch on the whole superiority complex mm-hmm. that she has. She's clearly a very attractive woman, keeps a tidy home, looks after herself, um, is beautiful. And I think possibly she's put so much self-worth, she's attached so much value to that, um, that the thought of anyone rejecting her is so unbelievable that mm. she has to make them want her. And I think that that is the pattern of ab- abusive relationships. Yeah. And a lot of um, women with those sorts of difficulties can get into is that you end up in this cycle of chasing the man that treats you like shit because yeah. you're constantly waiting to be on top. But as soon as you are on top, as soon as you have control, you don't want him, which is the case with, you know, um, the Catholic who she was married to at first, who the good man who, mm. you know, looked after his kids and... Um, and stuck around for yeah. a bit and then you know she left him heartbroken because yeah and it, it is interesting i think it's yeah. something that women grapple with constantly because we have we are fed these ideas of romance mm. and that excitement and everything um but you know that like what what is the point in a relationship if someone's not literally caring about yeah. you <laughs> no definitely um, and like you say about her pride it was such a curious thing for me to get my head around because I feel like I've known, I've definitely known people like this who, you know, behind closed doors are just real down and out, but will spruce up to leave the house and put on this, um, is facade the correct word? Um, Yeah, I've definitely known that. And it was, and it's weird because, (laughs) right, say if I have a drink, right? I look ugly within like 10 minutes. Like, if I have a glass of red wine, I, I'm not fucking elegant. Right? You look lovely. <laughs> so, so I just think that these, you know, these practicing alcoholics, how they can actually, you know, they're so used to yeah. being functioning, functioning and, and, with an addiction. and putting on a face to the world where they can go into a shop yeah. and be eloquent. Whereas I reckon if I had two beers and went around the corner shop, the, the guy would know. It <laughs> blows my mind. Like, because I've had such an anxiety with alcohol, as you know, oh, from yeah. my upbringing. Um, I don't impose on you. Um, but just count my beers on a Friday night. <laughs> you had twenty five in three days, and then a month off. <laughs> um, I need to point out that it's not pints; it was cans. But yeah, I have an anxiety <laughs> with alcohol, and the the idea of going to work on a hangover just like terrifies me i've done it once and it was the worst thing in the world and i was 22 and yet i knew people who were literally able to drink until three up at seven go to work carry on and on and on and yeah i think my whole life is falling apart if i drink more than three days in a week Mm. yeah i feel completely out of control i mean the only time it worked for me was when i was right in the height of touring and then, like I say, it, it's funny now. How and many the, days in a row did you drink? 55. Well done. Um, but I'm sure it was 49 last time I counted. It was 55 and I've still got the contract. Um, but it's, um, <laughs> Is that going up on our wall? Like, we'll frame it. Oh, I can drink 55 days in well, a row. Well, that's my point. Is oh, At the time, it was hilarious. And, and now it seems hilarious. But when you actually think about yeah. it, and the people I was working with, and it's maybe not very fair to talk about this, but we were that one particular contract I'm referring to that was 55 days, yeah. we were getting up, going to breakfast, shaking. <laughs> fucking hell. And then uh. someone would fucking say, you going again? <laughs> and, and and it's the fact it turned into a whole summer. Uh. And I know, like I say, like, I, I, as far as I'm aware, nobody 
in that situation, myself included, you mm. know, is is in any kind of mess now. But, it, it, you know, at the time it seemed like we were just young and fun. But my God, this is how things spiral for people. We do need to mention at this point that Curtis's mother is listening to this episode. Hello, Curtis's mum. She actually lent us the book, didn't she? She, she recommended the us the book. Yes, yes. She did. Sure. So thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm OK. Don't worry. <laughs> I love that. We've got great mums, though. Like we can say anything we like in front of our mums, can't we? Yeah. It's my awesome. mum's really cool with swearing. because She does it herself. Yeah. Um, My mum came to swearing about 10, 15 years ago after like a lifetime of being very strict in every possible way. And obviously she waits until we're all grown up and moved out to actually let her hair down. (laughs) And now literally will freely say cunt and fuck and everything. She would not. (laughs) Your mum would not say cunt. She does. No. Well, she, she, yeah, she definitely does. Not in like everyday sentences, but um, (laughs) what's great is knowing you can say cunt to your mother and she's fine about it. I think that's when you know you've, you got a good mum, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Created some zen. Um, yeah, no, so my mum did recommend us Shuggy Bane. Thanks, mum. Um, as you can hear, we both really, really enjoyed reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about this whole book is the, yeah, that dynamic between mother and child. And a review I read, and I completely agree with this, is the amount of love and tenderness and empathy that is woven into his words about Mm. his mother and that relationship and that support and you can see as an outsider as an adult how damaging it is and how you just want to pick this little boy up and take him somewhere else where he feels secure and safe and settled but he loves his mother so much and he knows how to make her happy Mm. and that's it's just heartbreaking and so the midpoint I guess it's roughly the midpoint is when she is recovering like she has a year of not drinking and she's met a nice man and um and shuggy's happy and things are you know sort of coming together and you're really really rooting for her and then this man and this i fucking hated him so much in this moment i i felt so angry when he's trying to get her to have a glass of wine oh god yeah and it's and it's because He wants her to be his idea of normal. It's not being able to deal with someone's demons, not being able to deal with a whole person 100% and accepting what their struggles are and making them easier. And instead, he wants her to fit, even though he's a good man in so many other ways, Mm. he wants her to fit his idea of what a girlfriend or a wife should be. And I fucking wanted him to... Oh, I oh, it was hated awful. it. it was so horrible. yeah, the character you're talking about is Eugene, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's it. And he, um, and as you've just said, he came into her life when she'd finally, for one point in this book, got herself a little bit straight and narrow. Had a mm-hmm. job in a petrol station, yeah. which is how she met him. And like you say, they started courting, or um, <laughs> however you want to put it. And yeah, took her out for that really nice, expensive meal at that golf club hotel place. Yeah. And he's going, do you not just want to have a wee drink? Mm. Are you sure you just have a wee drink to be, you know, to be like normal with yeah. me? And and I'm the same as you. I was really hating him while he was mm. doing it. And I thought, you know where this is going. Yeah. She's going to break. She's going to have one. And then she's going to end up hammered. And fucking hell, they sent her right. And, and it was the, you know. I think what really gets me about that is that even after that, you're still hoping that maybe she'll find another way through. But it is the relentlessness of the disease. And it's the um, constant cycles of trying to get better, trying to get on the straight and narrow, today's a new start um and also then when they leave when they leave pithead and they go back into sort of more central glasgow don't they and it's not and it's just that heartbreak yeah, of, the, is oh. it not the day they move in yeah something like that shuggy 
is um is in the flat and the mum goes out and mm. she comes back pissed and he's just devastated. And I think yeah. is that the point where he flips on her and actually says, you said it'd be fucking different this yeah. time. Because then, yeah, he eventually gets kicked out as well. And then you see at the end that um, with his friend's mum, who's an alcoholic as well, and you mm. see that sort of never-ending cycle to it, that there's always yeah. someone who's dealing with it. And um, um, Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, really, actually, that we, we've spent this sort of whole whole time talking about um agnes but not Shuggy. and we've not spoken yet about Shuggy bane who is such an interesting character because it's a young boy mm-hmm. in the most difficult of upbringings mm-hmm. well i was going to say finding himself but actually sort of struggling to find himself through the whole he's thing he's struggling to find himself but at the same time he seems to be very aware of who he is like he is gay um and you know he likes you know, yeah, quirky things. He likes the ponies, you know. Um, All the neighbours talk about how he speaks so flamboyant. Speaks very and... sort of, yeah, and quite posh. And he's also obviously got a bit of a snooty thing to him, which gets from his mother and is that mm. condescending tone, I think. And does have that thing of thinking he's better than other people, uh, which I think comes from his mother and comes from their little cosseted kind of environment that they've created where mm. everyone... And actually, I recognise this and I think... It's a familiar thing for either people with diseases like alcoholism or possibly other mental health issues that you look down on everyone else around you. And not in the kind of, oh, you're having a bad day, hon, because you're thinking everyone else is, you know, stupid. But like actual, their whole psyche is geared towards everyone else is stupid, doesn't know what they're doing. I'm better than them. And actually, you want people to take a sort of a wide pan, step back and be like, uh, can you see yourself in this situation? Mm. Like, can you see that you're the the alcoholic single mother with no job who upsets her children? Can you see yeah. that that's what you're doing? But no, because of that pride. I was going to say, do you think that's because pride's all they've got? Is yeah. That the, yeah. yeah, you know what? That's, yeah, that's good. I think it's pride's all they've got. Uh, when yeah. they so it's like if they haven't got that pride what the fuck else is there because then they've got to face the fact that they are they have to face who they are yeah. and they have to put difficult steps in place mm. to to make things different and, and to change things um, but yeah it's it's a harrowing book it really is um, and there's no payoff there's literally nothing at the end there's no sort of I mean the the one positive thing is obviously he has that friend and, yeah. you know, to have a friend is, oh, we forget this as well, in your teens, the value of friendships when you're going through all that stuff and those subtle sort of hints and messages you give each other. That you, and, and possibly in his writing, that's one thing that maybe is a bit too explicit, which might not actually be explicit in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, as friends, you're sort of just support networks. I mean, there's so many friends as an adult and I now know what they went through as teens and they know what I went through as a teen and we didn't really know to an emotional extent what was going on we didn't actually um, have a deep understanding of what was troubling us or difficulties at home or school or anything like that um so that's one area possibly in terms of its writing style i'm like oh maybe they're just exceptional mm. teens and they know how to be open about these things but yeah it was a it was lovely that he had a friend <laughs> yeah yeah it was and actually the the scenes where he is in school sort of reminded me of the obvious really that happens in a lot of books in a lot of films and in real life where the bullied kid mm. is not just shit because they're getting bullied at school 
they go home to some shit as well yeah. most of the time that's why yeah. they're a misfit that's doesn't why it make you feel like an awful person at school when you think of any horrible things you might have said to kids yeah all well, those kids you, you know, sneeze in their face I was such a dick yeah. you sneezed in people's faces that's no no, it, no that's a line lifted <laughs> from Peep Show oh. <laughs> well, one thing actually it reminded me of and I can't remember what in the book reminded me of this right but there was this kid at our school who was um, quite rough around the edges but also mm. quite lonely yeah. And me and a couple of mates who were kind of like middle kids, the in-betweeners, if you will, who's got our BMXs, you know, we sort of took this sort of rough kid under our wing one summer. I remember we went around his house, he lived on like this cul-de-sac and on his driveway there was a fence and behind the fence there was a trampoline. Mm -hmm. So we're around his house and like I say, it was a, you know, there's Mm -hmm. an unplugged fridge tipped over in the garden, all rusty. It's one of them places, overgrown grass and all that. And we're sort of playing with him and and we're bouncing the trampoline and he, and he goes, oh guys, guys, fucking check this out, right? He gets off the trampoline, he gets some of the gravel and he launches it out into the cul-de-sac, like rock by rock, just chuck, 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 chuck. And we just hear the fucking bungalow opposite clang like windows going. Oh my God. He's done it for no reason, out of nowhere. He's like trying to impress us. Yeah. And we're sort of going, what the fuck? But also because we're kids, we don't want to hmm. be the nerd that goes, oh, that's really naughty. So we just kind of said nothing. And he goes, oh, I hit him. Did you hear it? Right. And we're sort of, and they can't see us because we're behind the fence, right? But hmm. we're looking through the fence and we can see that the old couple that live in the house have come out. And then oh people from the cul-de-sac gosh. are all gathering. Oh. And they're all sort of looking. And it's obviously that unruly kid that lives there and shaking their heads. And I'm thinking, I'm a fucking accomplice like, to this, right? <laughs> And the only way I am telling the police, the only way is out of the fence. Like the only way out is for them to see me. There was no back exit. And I remember thinking, I've got to be home for half seven or my mum will go fucking mental if not Mm. home for dinner on time. So I'm going, I've got to face the music. We've got to get on our bikes and leave. And and this lad was like, don't, don't worry, lads. Like if Kirsten's going for his dinner, you know, let's get on our bikes and go out. I'll I'll take him on. I remember thinking, so I'm about to leave. How old were you? Uh, middle of secondary school like year nine so however old you are then so yeah about that and I just remember like getting on my bike going out of this front gate and just pedaling past this group of angry people Uh, who think that I've smashed their windows in and I remember the old bloke going come here you little shits (gasps) that and just fucking biking off there's no payoff to this story but I just remember this rough old kid and I remember thinking his situation behind that he's done that to try and impress us yeah you know I don't know what bit of sugar pain this ties back to. Well, no, it's just the utter madness of some childhoods mm. where you act in the most bizarre ways and you struggle to fit in and you struggle to find connection with people and you do think you need to either impress or you sort of either rigidly hold on to this identity you have yeah, and you sort of lose that ability to sort of meld it a little bit for different scenarios or you are completely changing yourself for every single situation and being like look at this look Mm. at this and you just get erratic i mean there's obviously (laughs) i'm a psychologist uh, and a psychiatrist (laughs) i know all about this um it's it's just the madness yeah what these upbringings do to (laughs) kids yeah like it's it's nuts isn't it because you could go anyway when you haven't got that guidance when you've got parents that don't seem to believe in themselves Mm, yeah you know what i mean like cycle and 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 one thing we've not spoken about is shuggy's older brother leek yeah. who is artistic, isn't he? And mm-hmm. it's funny, actually, because he's still got that kind of rough-round-the-edges Scottish teenager that sticks his middle finger up to his little brother, but yeah. he's very caring, actually. Yeah, very he's caring. He's very sensitive. He goes and, like, draws the landscape of the hillside looking out over Pithead. I and, mean, did um, attack a, a man with a crowbar. Yeah, so, you know, nuance. Um, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? That There's someone that, you know, that did look into go into arts. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. School and things. Yeah. But he's just from this real real sort of hostile environment there's there was a scene in this book mm. again that i was thinking about walks of life and you wouldn't know if you didn't know yeah. do you remember when um Shuggy's mum um agnes is is with jinty her friend sort of mm. slash rival from the estate and they're getting hammered in the daytime and she calls this random bloke who lives elsewhere on the estate this single guy and goes I'm not going to do a Scottish accent. Oh yeah, but come over for the just, booze. Just come bring over and booze. have a few tins with us. Come on, and then and then he sort of and he does come over and he's yeah, sort of smart it's and all weird. And it's just a bit weird. And she goes, "Oh, why don't you dance together? Dance." And it's like it's daytime, and they're just getting wasted. And yeah. I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> well, no, weirdly, right? This is what I was thinking. I was thinking, fucking people would not know. But as as a child that did experience some underworld, um, <laughs> you do, yeah, you do get these fucking wasters that are just tenuously randomly in each other's houses and don't know each other that well and as a kid you are sat there going the fuck's going on and i do think it happens so this is obviously where the class thing comes in um that discussion about parenting and being a good parent or not and how you know if you're low-income background working class the measures of being a good parent Mm. are sort of more skewed against you because stability and support and all that sort of thing and finances, all the things that when you have money, you can provide to a child much easier because if you're not there, someone else will be there. You know, we have all these ideas of, oh, latchkey kids or, um, you know, parents just not in or socialising and stuff. It's like, yeah, but they're kind of probably only doing the things that middle-class parents would do, but they just have the resources to... That's right. Yeah. Well, it did. Well. Yeah, and I thought a lot during this about how, um, you know, she gets like her. They they didn't call it a gyro, but she gets her allowance yeah, on a Monday yeah. or a Tuesday or whatever. And then there's a point where she's in the shop and she's got a choice to make about what she got puts back. Mm. She can't afford any more tick. Well, no, no, that's not what she does. It's what she's doing is playing the game each time, so she knows she can't afford. I think we're talking about the same uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, scene. Where she picks up one, two, three things that she needs. Yeah. Oh, and then she picks up a six pack of lager or a 12 yeah. pack. And then she goes, oh, don't have enough. And then gives back the other things. So right. it's, it's yeah, a jig yeah. she does to maintain that respectability to herself. And it's oh, this okay. other sort of dark. I think, well, that's what yeah, I, I think, picked no, up. Yeah, now you say it, I think you're right. I was just thinking. And it's Shuggy sort of just knows, oh, we're yeah. doing the dance again. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was a, it was, that was how she's going about it. I was thinking of just like, 
a parent that's on a right budget having mm. to decide between their own selfish needs maybe yeah. you could argue they're not selfish but and then putting back food literally taking food out of their child's stomach um yeah no i think it was booze. a um it's a respectability dance that she's doing uh, right okay. um but people must have to make those decisions. Do you yeah, know what I mean? There absolutely. must be people that their only joy in life is a drink. Well, yeah. Or and what bags. I love about society is that we will judge people that, oh, you put that before your child's mm. food. It's like, that's a choice you don't have to make. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, between your own illness slash addiction slash. Um, so you always had a lot of sympathy for her. What points did that fluctuate? When, when was that mm. tested? Well, obviously, it's the scenes where she flies off the handle and there's mm. a couple of times where she's just dark and she turns around to Shuggy, who is always very loving, and goes, you know, don't you want me to go out and have any fun? And, mm. you know, she treats him oh, like a yeah. millstone. And, like the th- and you know, obviously, if a kid's hearing that, I imagine that's the sort of shit they're not going to yeah live de- live to forget. You know, mm. that's going to stick with them. And I imagine that's very horrible because through all that, he pretty much always wants to protect his mum yeah. from everybody else. And that level of abuse, though, because what it breeds is a... Uh, a loyalty mm. it really breeds a and this is what's interesting with the amount of love and sensitivity that's put into this book one has to sort of ask is that love or is it actually you're still under that spell of abuse mm. because it's sometimes it's so hard to break yourself from that because you mm. the only thing you have is love even though that love is so conditional um and yeah, you're you're conditioned to love your abuser. Ultimately, I really had a um, with her. I because I had this real empathy and love for her, and uh, I liked sort of the humorous elements to her character as well. And I loved that she loved her son. You really, you know, you got that sense, especially when she was getting clean and all that kind of thing. But then towards the end, and it wasn't necessarily with the big moments. It was, I think there were some subtle moments in it. I can't quite remember what, but I was just thinking, you utter bastard. Like, you can't mm. hide. I know it's weird to say bastard. Wait, who, who, okay. Agnes. Yeah, no, right, I mean yeah. Agnes. I don't want to say bitch because it's not that. It's 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 more of a bastardy thing. It's yeah, like you're yeah. not doing the right thing. And I just think, just face yourself. Will you just face yourself yeah. and see who you actually are? And... It's not even about just do it for your kids. I don't think it is that. I don't think people need to do things for their kids. I think when they feel right in themselves, Mm. you sort of balance your responsibilities much better. And we know she's got it in her because of Mm. when she gets that period we talked about earlier where she gets the job in the petrol station and she is um, sober for a bit. And it's until that Eugene comes along. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh God, I hated him so much. Mm. Um, But yeah, I think, I can't remember what the moment was um where i was like yes it's a disease but you're using mm. as an excuse and i was wondering at what stage does does the disease pre-exist the alcoholism or is it a personality that creates the alcoholism or is it that i think her superiority complex got to me a bit yep. obviously it's something i can um I really relate to and I in Shuggy's superiority complex um and that arrogance he had about other people and being mm. better than them and all that sort of thing obviously I had that growing up in quite a big way um and yeah it got to a point with her that I was just like no you're you're not a you're not actually a kind person because actually what you're creating is just this um cave mm. for yourself and your children like that's the personality that's driving it. Yeah. 
underneath it. I mean, and I know this is, I don't understand alcoholism and I don't understand addiction at all. So I know, I know it's a disease and I know people who speak about it as a disease, but it just challenged me in many, many ways, which I suppose is a very, very good thing. I think that is the one thing about this book, isn't it? It was, it was a testy read. Mm. I mean, we've not even touched on the bit where he he gets nonstop in that taxi. Oh God. Um, Like (laughs) really fucking dark, isn't it? So much. Um, And then the next taxi driver that he sees, he sort of offers himself yeah how about yeah. that and for a oh. minute right i thought that second taxi driver was going to accept it no i thought oh. he was going to accept oh wow because he sort of goes oh you can touch me and whatever mm. i thought a second taxi driver was gonna say yes and i was gonna think how fucking many taxi drivers like a you <laughs> no but it's interesting that um trauma response isn't it um because you think this has got me out of something before even yeah. though you ha- you didn't create the trauma in the first place and and it almost taps into those sort of areas of power-hungry assholes that go on about, um, you know, consent and the idea of consent. Mm. And it's like, Shuggy, even if he'd been a bit older, they say he'd been 18, it's like he was consenting to something, but it's a survival mechanism. Yeah. Um, and this is why I just think the um, how much responsibility in these sorts of situations and scenarios needs to go to the the abuser the the power hungry person whatever the victim has said it's like you know when you're doing something to exploit someone yeah and even though the law can sometimes allow that or be like oh well you're two consenting adults it's like Mm. yeah but you know under what situation that person was consenting or you know their state of mind or what all these things and it's just that complexity of um sexual abuse and consent Mm. and um the role that a victim plays in their own victimization because they're used to mm. it as a survival. And also, mechanism. yeah, and imagine what that does to Shuggy's sexuality, yeah. like coming of age, because it seems, he obviously, he, he, probably, he knew he was different, but he probably didn't explicitly know that it was because he was attracted to boys rather than yeah. girls. And he that gradually found out all sensitivity for young boys, right? Yeah, so imagine along the way... You, you get nonstop by that taxi driver. Mm. And also all the kids at school were saying that he did shit with the teacher, even though he didn't. And did he not? So I didn't know if the teacher was abusing him. I think the kids at school just said it. Maybe they did. I got but either hit way, words, but I he's sure. getting told that he's weird and he does these things. Mm. And the taxi driver does that stuff to him. It was really impressive, though, the way he got out of it, didn't he? Because he, he knew to mention his dad. Oh, he mentioned his dad, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, completely I thought it was like... that. But yeah, I just think, imagine then when you... Your first actual sexual experiences, yeah. or yeah, but you've been getting told it's weird, and you've had mm. these weird things that weren't really on your terms. I just can't. Well, you learn what that's you like. learn sexuality in an abusive setting, and even he would have learned that through his parents, mm. um, sort of indirectly anyway. That yeah. those relationships are abusive, and yeah. God, there's a lot of a lot cheery, of stuff. <laughs> um, I do want to touch briefly on the writing style. Um, I found it very, very absorbing and very flowing. The first few pages, maybe 30, it took me about 30 pages to kind of get into it, mm-hmm. find my bearings with it. Um, there were a few little things that felt like, um, I mean, it sounds arrogant as hell me saying this, sounded like a debut novelist in that they broke a few rules and it didn't seem like, yeah, it wasn't, like a like booker winners again and i don't know because i don't really know the criteria i'm not even sure how clear they are with them but like avni doshi's um burnt sugar really sort of quite literary challenging yeah um, every single word thought about carefully and crafted this didn't feel like that mm-hmm. it felt natural and free-flowing definitely yeah um and very very engaging but it didn't feel like i was reading someone pushing the limits of what 
literary fiction means. It felt like it was um, clearly good writing by how powerful it was. Yep. But it felt like a very natural, raw style to me. Um, it didn't feel like this honed, crafted. I don't know what the, you, you'll tell me what the proper phrase is for it, but it, it wasn't one where it just follows the protagonist. Sometimes Point of view it shifts, was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The camera was on different people, yeah. and uh, and it all I felt mean, very still natural. With that. Okay, so if I had a criticism, one thing for me was actually sometimes I'd read a chapter, the next chapter would start, and I'd be like. Oh right, it's six months later. I, I didn't mm. know if it was tomorrow, and yes. but that is a minor criticism. Like my, generally, my reading experience of this was great. Yeah. I've, I really felt like I was being taken on a journey. Same here. Yeah. I tell you what, how much did it make you want to be Scottish, though? Oh my god, I've go been speaking the, a Scottish accent all week. It's been great. My mum's loved it when I was chatting to her. <laughs> Honestly, I I would fucking love to be Scottish. I fucking love it. Well, doesn't swearing like, just sound better when you're Glaswegian? Yeah, like I'm not saying I'd want um the lives of the characters in this book. No. Just I think we spoke about it before. Just anything but fucking southern to middle English. Anything else? Just to be Irish would be cool. To be Welsh would be cool. Well, also, we're Midlands, so we don't even know how to pronounce our vowels properly. It's like sometimes it's ah, sometimes it's ah. Who knows? I'm actively dropping them now. Are you? I've realised it does me better working in a fairly middle class environment in London. To go? If I'm just rough. <laughs> I'm like, fuck it, this is my thing, so I'm not going to beat them at their own game. <laughs> yeah, because they can point out the, the cracks when you do pretend. Uh, yeah, well, you point out the cracks when I say something like misunderestimated. <laughs> That's because George W. Bush used to say it. And that is the intellect I'm operating on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I it just, it just, well, I've never been to Glasgow. I've only... In fact, I've only been to Scotland. This is awful. I've only been twice and both times were Edinburgh and both times were on work. Mm. So I'd love to, I don't know, Glasgow sounds really lively. Because you remember that play we saw at Soho Theatre called Mouthpiece? Oh, that was so good. And that was sort of like yeah. the rough end of Glasgow. Or well, that's where it I, sets I had ring. that in my head. So when Shuggy's with um, his friend, the girl later on, mm. I can't remember her name, um, I kind of had the Mouthpiece scene in my head that yeah. sort of because they're, they're sort of looking out over the stars aren't they? Yeah. so yeah. there must be a point in Glasgow like where everyone you can sits. look I over the city lights yeah well I'll tell you what I you had you can in... see the Edinburgh train they were saying weren't they oh yeah, yeah I love that and I'll tell you what I had in my head um, the whole time was the song Sometimes by Jerry Cinnamon who obviously sings in a thick Glaswegian sing, accent sing no no no, no. Oh, I oh, shan't right, do that it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I, it's because it's, it just happens to be on my Spotify playlist this month and it's this like real upbeat yet melancholic kind of mm. sounds like it's bouncing off the walls of a rainy council estate. And it's just so fitting, you know, and the song was in, you know, yeah. on my list the same time I was reading the book. And it oh, was yeah. it was perfect. OK, are you ready? Yes. For one star reviews? Yes. Curtis, you can explain what we do. I will explain, as always, it's Series 3 and we are still doing one-star reviews. This is the part of the show where we read one-star reviews about the book on Amazon. Uh, it is nothing personal. We're not wanting to um, spread negativity. But one... I'm already laughing at the... Fucking <laughs> <laughs> mental. But one-star reviews are really funny. I think they help you find a another way to appreciate a book. Because I think when someone is so angry about a book, you're like, oh, I think you can just... Chill out here. Yeah, love. definitely. And then you sort of find yourself defending them. But also sometimes it does make you consider things and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, that's that's a fine point. Probably not worth, you know. Let's get to the good ones first. Go on. I can't, don't know how to pronounce this name because it's Rene, Rene Art. It's just all one word. Mistake. Ordered by mistake. Do not have Kindle. Fine. <laughs> fine. Leave a one-star review for a book 
because of your mistake. Anyway, Mrs. Hopkins, absolutely depressing. I'm afraid I didn't get past the first few chapters of this utterly depressing book. Well, spoiler alert, it doesn't um, brighten up. (laughs) This is fucking brilliant. Mel Coogan, filth. After six pages or so, threw the book in the bin. (laughs) Threw the book in the fucking bin. Filth. Like, didn't just share it with someone else who might like it. Didn't send it back. Didn't even use it for fucking kindling. Threw it in the bin. I love people that are offended by... Didn't like, even recycle it. Not threw it in the recycling. Do you think of a filth? Because like all the references to like it's just so sex. Much. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of the word cunt like, in yeah, there. Yeah, stuff that we As love. As these people are like, I don't have sex. Um, item damaged. Um, Ian has written poverty porn. I think he means poverty, poverty porn. Poverty porn. Oh, that's, that's really good. But everyone's that, yeah. Well, the people yeah. call it misery porn, poverty porn, misery memoir. That oh, is that already a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. you'd cooked something up there. Um, okay, this one was an interesting one. Um, I read so many good ones last night, but I've forgot to make a full note of them. There are just so many, and it's brilliant. I think it's because when anything makes the book a list or gets an award, people are just ready to pounce yeah, and yeah. rip it apart. Um, misogynistic, condescending, poorly written self-pitying the list goes on this is gmm i was really excited to read this book because of its accolades and its purported subject matter however shuggy bane comes up desperately short of anything resembling good prose i fucking hate when people write prose i remember a teacher of mine i'd written what i thought was a poem and she goes such wonderful prose she fucking hated me she's a bitch i think she was like racist as well but I was like too young ni- to understand. A nice comment, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think she fucking it hated was... me. She said my writing was wonderful. No, it was that. It was a poem. And she knew I wanted it to be a poem. And it was. And she called it prose. And prose just means anything. <laughs> that racist bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she was a bit racist. Um, towards my head scoff. Um... It reads like a condescending, misogynistic outpouring of a man who is angry with his mother and found an outlet in writing. For a book set in Glasgow in the 80s and early 90s, heroin is glaringly absent. I was going to say it's glaringly absent. Where is the heroin? More heroin. Yeah, yeah. This seems like a tremendous oversight. The characters are not well-rounded, making scenes that are meant to be moving and disturbing readers grotesque satire instead. Stuart does not attempt to hide his disdain for women or the working-class people, particularly, get you ready, Mm. for teachers and taxi drivers. All female characters are portrayed as lazy, uneducated, negligent mothers who have nothing to offer but their bodies and are desperate for a man to take care of them. Shuggy's neighbours are frequently described as unclean and unhygienic. It is only in their speech that we get a whiff of the Glasgow dialect. We were promised. We were promised. We promised? The Glasgow dialect. We were promised. Only, we only get a whiff of the di- Glasgow dialect when it's... The, the, what, I hate this turn of phrase. Um, and it's quite obvious that this is meant to show them as not just dirty, but stupid. This book is riddled with incongruities and dripping with misogyny and condescension. The clunky writing accentuates its glaring flaws. It deserves no prize whatsoever. <laughs> Sounds like a nor does it merit. I love this. You ready? Nor does it merit your time or a place on your bookshelf. So listen, fuckers, if you've got this on your bookshelf, take it off, throw it in the bin, and uh, and write the book. There's not enough heroin, (laughs) and only a whiff of the Glaswegian. I mean, so GMM, as a feminist myself. Um, I think you're talking bollocks. Uh, no, I did. I did give actually careful consideration to these comments. 
And I thought, like, you know, the female characters, yeah, they're fairly... They are all similar, but also it's a very narrow little world. Yeah. And yeah. when you're a child, your parents tend to have one sort of friend, right? Especially if they're an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the sorts of people they will, like... Living in pit head. Yeah. Right. I mean, no one she, comes she out of this... doesn't know everyone. No one in this story is glowing. No. And it was, it's like... <laughs> It's just that whole thing when people are offended by the portrayal of people within a story. You can understand it to a degree if the writer has no experience of it whatsoever. I think to a degree there's some discussion over that, although genuinely uh, whatever my sort of white left-leading ideas about writing and, you know, cultural appropriation and blah, 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 write whatever the fuck you want. Like that is a, a, just write whatever you want. If it's convincing, it's convincing. It's not, it's not. Um but yeah, this is a narrow view of a world from a boy growing up, um, and his yeah his mother's environment. It's not meant to say. By the way, if you want to know what Glasgow is all about, and every single person living in Glasgow, and every alcoholic, and every single woman, this is your book. I don't think he set out to do that. No. I'm just I'm just you know, just it's not a travel that. guide, and also, <laughs> Agnes is complicated. Yeah, like Agnes <laughs> has moments of warmth. She's just hurt, and she's just been let down, and she's just weak, and she's ill. God. It's not a hate on her; it's a portrayal. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it when um, people read a book that it's like a lot of words have gone into this character. Mm. It's not like. His mum was a bitch because she was Glaswegian. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not like someone's just in one line gone, they're all bitches. Like, they're mm. all dirty and stupid. Like, it's 400 pages of characters yeah. looked at from several different angles. Like, it makes you kind of wonder and, and, yeah, and work it out and wonder how you feel about them and what you want from them. And even Sugar himself is a little shit, you know what I mean? Mm. He's a little grass. Mm. Um, and he looks down on people, but he is obviously a child and he's mm. battling with lots of things. And, um, yeah, not a travel guide. <laughs> right, anonymous. Well-written story of the personal disaster in a poor Scottish... Okay, how can you give a one-star review when you literally start off with well-written? Anyway. Well-written story of the personal disaster in a poor Scottish working family with a beautiful mother of intelligence and will who is an alcoholic, not recommended for sensitive souls in COVID times. Why would you give that one star? I was going to say, the review is... Yeah. Uh, it's a three-star review. Yeah, it's that, a three-star review. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, same old, says David Williams, not Williams. Couldn't get past the first few pages. Felt riveting, depressing from the beginning. I don't think you know what riveting means. Yeah. Felt riveting, depressing. Can we very quickly touch on the beginning, actually? Yes. Because obviously you, you actually are introduced to modern day Shuggy, mm. who is working on a deli counter in a supermarket yeah. and lives in like a sort of a bed city situation with mm. in a house divided up into other bed sits with single blokes. Yeah. And then that kind of slams shut and then you start. Yeah. Now... Could you have done without that bit and gone straight yeah. to the start of Shuggies? Yeah, I think that's one of those things that, again, I've seen um, agents and editors mention. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. let's start here and then we'll go back. Yeah. And it's I don't think it's always needed. No, I agree. I'd almost, because I enjoyed that first chapter and the setting of it, and I almost would have took a sequel 
of of, of that like yeah. going from there he lives in the deli counter mm. not he lives he works on the deli counter many, yeah um however yeah i don't think it was poignant enough that i needed it to proceed everything yeah but hey i agree i understand this novel received the booker prize a british highly regarded prize be that the case the story is dreadful it is about a dysfunctional Scottish family in which the mother is an alcoholic with a third late-born child who tries to aid her in his life growing up. It is well written. Again, what? one star, but you've said it's well written. And if you like to gloat about how much better your life is compared to the Bain family, then this is the novel for you. I did manage to finish this novel, which is the only positive that I can give. I don't think you finishing a novel changes what the novel was. A much better use of your time. A much better use of your time is to work or give the money you would spend to this novel to charity. <laughs> that is just an Amazon customer. That's what I got. It's like, I mean, uh, it, oh. read, people read it if they want to feel like their lives are better. I didn't like turn the pages of this going, ah, no. wankers on the council estate. <laughs> I live in London. <laughs> um, uh yeah but i should give my money to charity is this is this why this but oh so this person yeah the united states which is why they mentioned it as as british booker prize um what sort of person are you if you read a book and then sort of literally any part of your brain goes oh at least i'm not like them i mean should have given that money to charity (laughs) or bought any other book well there there was this tweet i remember someone someone tweet saying if you want to brighten up your day, just buy some daffodils for one pound at Tesco's at the moment. And literally someone responded with, oh, you could give the money to charity. Yeah, like, like, oh, oh, okay. Water battery. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck you all. That attitude is, is Men, yeah. r- ridiculous, isn't it? You can't say anything or enjoy anything. I like this one. Seven Sisters. <laughs> okay. Their, their headline for their review is obvious. Obvious. Oh, yeah. I know what that means. Put this book down after page 24. Sure. Um, Let me just find out how that would end. (laughs) Hopefully you can hear me rustling through. Go on then, 24. Wow. So that would make the last line. one 20th of the way through. Of this novel. They would get up from the dinner table on a Sunday or make one too many trips to the bathroom. In secret, they would sit on the edge of their double bed with their... Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. End it there, Douglas Stewart. <laughs> Beccarella won't download properly. Sorry about that. Um, don't waste your money. Terrible, slow, boring, and it couldn't catch my attention at all. I love this as well. It couldn't catch my attention. Not, eh, not for me. Mm. Didn't connect with the characters. That book was not doing enough yeah. to catch my attention. It's the book's fault. It's not me. Mad that I wasted my money. I would give it no stars if I could. Do you know what, my love? <laughs> Name Moose is this uh, <laughs> Amazon name. You could have given it no stars. You literally could have just left it. Yeah. You could have left. You could have just not done a review. Oh, I like this. Sharon Madden. Oh, this was fucking brilliant because it's cryptic. Sharon. Too raunchy for me. Language not my style. Sad story but couldn't get into the heart of the book. Could not recommend this book. Andy Cohen recommended the book. I should have known better. Content and language offended me. Who is Andy Who's Cohen? Andy? Do you reckon that's someone she knows? Andy? Who are you writing this review to? <laughs> Content and language offended me. You offended yourself, my sweet. Uh, someone gave it one star. Um, you might like it if you grew. <laughs> you might like it if you grew up in Glasgow. 
was a bit boring in places, they elaborate. <laughs> so just a bit boring. I, again, one so You have to know the places yeah, to identify you, with the like, Why do you read? So, like, <laughs> so you, anyway. And there's other ones which are Kesmood's North, uh, a poor pathetic update of Angela's Ashes. Um, I've not read that. Uh, wow. So, yeah. Um, I mean, the misogynistic one that was just so long, like literally five paragraphs. I hate stereotyping young feminists. But I'm but... good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that's all I need to say. <laughs> I think it's obvious. Um, item damaged, cover torn, so couldn't be used as gift as intended. No, no that's a shame. Um, I'm not happy with this booking binding as pages were coming out within a week. Sorry to say, cheap material has been used for its making. Oh. Sorry about that, Mohammed. Fell wandered. Not for me. Reminds me too much. <laughs> ah! Horrible book. Not for me. Reminds me too much of a Glasgow I'd rather forget. <laughs> this has just traumatised somebody and brought, brought it all back. Do you know what, though? I do get some of these one stars because it's too bleak and dark for them. I, I mean, I don't think it warrants one star, as is always the way. Yeah. But I do get someone going, I didn't like it because it was just a bit too much. A bit like some of the, the films I watch, like some of the scary shit. Yeah. You're like, that's just too grisly. Yeah, it's too much. And I get something being... Because this this book is, is I still wouldn't go out my way to leave a review. No, of course not. No. And, um, and explain. <laughs> Just trying to work <laughs> out there. No, yeah, it's very. Um, I found this a very depressing read and a very depressing time. It is well written, but a tale of unbelievable awfulness and deprivation in Glasgow. The kids are amazing with their drunk mother, but it was really hard going for the reader as well as these characters. Shows the writer's talent as a first novel, but hope next time he chooses a more inspiring set of people. <laughs> One star. I'm like. Why? I, no, One I thought, star. Actually, the cast of characters were really interesting. Yeah. I know yeah. inspiring is the wrong word, but I think they should sort of like they should categorize these one stars. It's like, are you complaining because you can't hack the subject matter? Like, you go in this pile. <laughs> I think that's a lot of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. A book of Glasgow cliches. Ditched the book after 100 pages, unreadable to anyone who actually grew up in Glasgow. Riddled with every stereotypical West of Scotland cliche in the book, literally. The sectarian references are laid on with a trowel. The alcohol and gender stereotyping is lazy and tired as they get. Miserable, dull, a genuinely awful book. I feel like the author is from Glasgow. I was going to say, he's got to be, hasn't he? We <laughs> yes, haven't done this he research is, yeah. before. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but if I wrote it, we'd have a problem. You know what I mean? Poor relative of Angela. That's another person bringing up Angela's ashes. Um, there was one that I took from Goodreads, which was a two-star review. Um, sorry to all my friends who love this book and wrote such fabulous reviews, but I cannot stand it. I tried. I did, in spite of the god-awful cover. I tried. However, the writing style is like nails on a chalkboard for me and the dialogue. Oh, my God, I'm going to scream if I read another sentence of this book. 40 pages and with each page, my irritation has grown. <laughs> Do you know what? One thing I thought as I was reading it is I've got a lot of time for this dialogue. Mm. Yeah. I, I think dialogue is a, is a common weakness in published celebrated books. Like a lot of the time, you go, no one would fucking say that. And <laughs> yeah. actually, with Whereas this, this we like, yes, I, I was really buying it. I was hearing yeah. it, and like you say, I was actually hearing it all in Scottish. Yeah, I, the, the, a Scottish accent. Um, yeah, big praise for the dialogue. Last one. This is a two-star review from Goodreads, just because I love this pun that someone's gone for. 
Shuggy Bane was a bane to me. She goes on, definition, a cause of great distress or annoyance. Thank you. Thank you for that. She qualified Thank it. you for the definition there, my love. There we go. That concludes one star reviews where lots of people were angry. Uh, I did have some better ones, but I can't find them. But the ones I read touched on, yes, the poverty porn idea. And does that mean like the Jeremy Kyle show? Poverty kind porn. of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and that's it. Someone's saying about how, of course, it won the Booker because it's a load of middle class people wanting to feel good about themselves for like celebrating some working class thing, which mm. I can see. I can imagine. Yeah, yes, I can imagine, but I don't think that detracts from the book itself. I would like to know. I'd like to meet a middle class person who's read this. Yeah, like someone who has not been to a council estate and um, <laughs> yeah. and see what Literally they make. Has no of it. idea what. They, yeah. Well, I remember when I got when i moved to london first when i was like 20 moved up for uni and i was with the girlfriend at the time and it was like one of those houses that's divided up into bedsits mm. and we had this shite awful little bedsit at the back of this house in harrow and i remember my mum and sisters and grandparents came out to move me in and my my little sisters are lucky because they're a lot younger than me and they actually always grew up um, quite comfortably yeah like a nice house like a, a big house big garden fields out the back um, and I do remember the youngest one just looking around <laughs> at what I was moving into and she actually looks at me and she went oh I don't think I'm ever going to live in a flat <laughs> <laughs> I think my mum said well you bloody might have to one day you know and I, was just I love thinking, your mum yeah. keeping it real <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> just, uh, don't you uh, get comfortable <laughs> well we need to give our verdict Verdict uh, based on pure emotional connection and, I mean, that's my main criteria. I am going to give this a nine. Do you know what? Yeah, nine. This is a fantastic book. Obviously, really, really stressful, actually, to read just because it's pretty raw. But no, I thought it was really well written. Fantastic. Would recommend this to anybody. Nine is good. Yeah. And I love the um, I love the love running through it. I really do. Mm. I love that desperation to love a parent when yeah. they're hurting you. And um, and sometimes it is the only thing you can do <laughs> with parents. Um, right, that's it. That's it. That, what are we reading next? Uh, Kite Runner. Yes. Because you've recommended that and I need to read it. I'm going to reread it. And speaking of mothers, we might get my mother on. Really? For that episode. Is she going to do She Kite might Runner? do it, yeah. Has she read it? Yeah. yeah, she's read it before, yeah. So Is she, she going to reread it so it's fresh? I'll, I'll, I'll tell her to. Cool. Yeah. She's asked for training. I was like, you can talk. Have you heard us? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're going to keep churning out guest specials where we don't have the regular series ones, but we're going to try and keep up now. Every two weeks, you'll get a new episode from us. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to try and read books. You can always find us dabblersbookclub.com or on Twitter at dabblersbooks. Please leave a lovely comment and a five-star review if you fancy it. We will see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.